Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, the live feed for you to pick up on. If you have not become a member of the live feed and you're on it right now, it's free and easy to do so, and there's two reasons why you definitely should do it, many reasons, but these two very important. Those of you that become a member are the only people that can chat with me during the show. So when, as soon as the live feed goes up, if you're a member, the live chat room opens and you and I can speak with one another. You can give your thoughts on the topic we're discussing. You can ask questions to the people that we're speaking with live on the show. And uh, fantasy football-wise, it's great for you to have it because you can ask us fantasy football questions every Friday between 10 and 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And then members also get emailed when the show goes live. So all you have to do is open up your email, click that you want to listen, and it brings you straight through to the live feed. It's extremely effortless and easy for you to connect with the show by becoming a member. So make sure you do that for free today. We're very happy here, as always, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time every Friday for Fantasy Football Friday. Myself and Mike Sofka are very proud to bring this to you for the second year in a row, dedicated to you every Friday morning from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And with that being said, let's welcome him back into the show. Mike, how are you doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I spoke with you a little bit off the air about this, but uh, the interview that everybody just heard from uh, myself and Stephen Clark, he's heading from Syracuse to Western Michigan. Syracuse's list of disqualified players for foot injuries, concussions, blood clots, so on and so forth, is, is uh, it's a high body count right now. And I would venture to say that if you added Ohio State to Texas to this, that, I mean, it's, 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 very, it's very, very high. And, you know, it's, it's been something that's come into question before. But Stephen Clark, who is a big believer in God and a strong faith, he fought this thing, he tried his best, and he said, listen, at the end of the day, this person has to sleep on their pillow knowing that they took football away from somebody who loved it. And, you know, Stephen had every intent to play on this team, to be a part of Dino Babers' new era and changing Syracuse for the better. And now Steven's going to be spending two seasons in Western Michigan. And the, the crazy thing about this was Stephen Clark was a starter. Because, you know, some teams, will, you know, there, there's the notion that some teams have a team doctor and they say, hey, just disqualify this guy so he can go play immediately somewhere else. And because uh, he doesn't fit our team, he doesn't fit our scheme, he doesn't fit the new coaching staff, whatever it may be. But in this case, Dino Babers, you know, as, as Stephen Clark said, was was in favor of him staying. This is a starter on the defensive line that they're losing. So this isn't just you know some guy on the team somewhere. So it's interesting how that uh, how that kind of shakes out. But you know, Mike, I know that this is a situation we're learning more about every day, and you and I just started discussing it. But have you ever heard of such a thing of? of having 7, 10, 12 guys over the span of two or three seasons disqualified from one single institution? Well, I, I'm sure there's statistics out there available somewhere. I've never heard of something like that, though. And I, I, I mean, I, I kind of get it a little bit. There's a delicate balance. You know, the university's got to protect itself in a so happy world that we live in now. But at the same time, this is a violent sport. This is what these people have signed up for, and this is what football players have known for years. Yeah, you're going to get injured. If you're playing football, you're going to get dinged up. You're going to have an injury. Hopefully, you know, it's not on a, you know, a catastrophic level or a traumatic level, but, you know, those things do happen as well. So I think there's an inherent risk. I think that, you know, schools do what they can do to protect themselves, but on the flip side, players got to do what they got to do to protect themselves. This is the you know situation where these young men are wanting to push onward with their aspirations to be an NFL football player. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't have given up so much. Right? They wouldn't have trained so hard. They wouldn't have fought so hard. And they wouldn't have put themselves out there like that. So it's a delicate balance. I get it on both sides to an extent. But I think the end result is that responsibility lies on the individual. These are young men we're talking about in this, this specific case, and they're all adults, and this is part of the learning curve, and you have to make choices. So this is a life choice for these young men as well, but it's interesting how this is shaping up, but some people believe everything 
happens for a reason and maybe this will push people in a different direction or a different path and you know hope, hope the best for everybody involved but at the same time I think the onus is on the player not the team yeah so I mean ultimately it comes down to you know the health and and how much do you love this game I mean it comes up with you know we don't even have to talk about schools colleges and universities we can you know bring it up with Tony Romo now in the case of Stephen Clark he had been cleared by four doctors besides the doctor that disqualified him. So, you know, that's a different story. But when you say, you know, the, the onus is on the player, we go back to Tony Romo and, you know, we ask the question of Tony's case was totally different than Stevens. And in Tony's case, it, you know, it was multiple injuries every single season and a broken collarbone at least three times. You know, so in his case, it, it made sense for him to step away. I mean, what do you think about the Tony Romo situation? Because I feel like a, a lot of guys don't know how to leave, and they stay too long, and then, you know, they, they get put in a very dangerous place where Tony Romo, whether you love him or, or don't love him that much, you know, he, he had the wherewithal to say, you know what, maybe it's my time to walk away. But at the same time, would he have done it if Dak Prescott wasn't that great last year, you know? I don't know. That's a great question. I, I think Tony Romo, I, you know you know what, I think we're closer to Tony Romo returning than anybody realizes. I mean, we're only one Dak Prescott injury away from that happening. I'm sure there's some sort of contingency somewhere, some sort of backdoor situation where that could happen, whether it's from the network, whether from Jerry Jones, or whether that was done ahead of time as an insurance policy for everyone involved. But yeah, that, that's a great question. Dak Prescott had a great year last year. I think this year it's going to be tempered a little bit just based on defenses being able to key on him a little more and know more. They have game film on him. They've had all off season to study him. But, uh, you know, he's always played at an elite level. He's always been a great quarterback, Dak Prescott. He played in the SEC, so he was basically playing against the NFL junior varsity defenses for many years. So, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him. But, yeah, Romo might come back if something does happen. A lot of people don't realize that, but look out for that. I, I hope nothing happens to Dak Prescott. I want to continue to see his career flourish, and I want to see Tony Romo move on with his life and take the next step in his personal life. But, you know, that that's an interesting dynamic there. Yeah, because, you know, ultimately when we, when we look at something like this, you know, Tony, and, and that's that's the discussion is you know would Tony have stepped away if Dak if if Dak wasn't what Dak became last year because you know that was kind of the writing was on the wall for Tony Romo but essentially if Dak Prescott came out and he won maybe four games then maybe Tony Romo is putting his body on the line once again and putting himself in yet again another dangerous situation so you don't know what's going to happen or how it's going to happen until you know you're kind of put your feet to the fire in that moment and that's unfortunately I mean this is a sport that people love I mean one of the guys that's one of my closest friends and you know does the pregame shows with Syracuse football with me is Rob Drummond who played for the Philadelphia Eagles and played in the CFL and won multiple championships there as well and Rob and I were were talking about you know his time and he said you know I have nine concussions that I know about I could have had more and he said that if he got a concussion or if something happened to him, he would just run right back out on the field. If the coach turned, he said, I waited for my coach to turn their head, and then I would take my helmet or somebody else's helmet, and I'd run back out onto the field. And, and back then, Mike, you know, when it, was, when it came down to concussion protocol and whatnot, the concussion protocol was few and far between. And Rob said that the question they used to ask them is, what day is it? And he's like, well, we knew we played football on Saturday, so we told them Saturday they let us go back out on the field. You know, this wasn't something that was, you know, there was no take you to the locker room, give you an x-ray, have somebody look at you, you know, follow this. It was, it was, do you know your name? What day is it? I mean, very basic, simple questions. So, I mean, God only knows when we talk about these players that have unfortunately gone through, you know, dementia and going to the nursing homes and, you know, uh, passing away early or having mental issues. I mean, these are guys who maybe had a doctor tell them, hey, you've had three concussions in your career, and maybe it was 13. You know, so I mean, obviously times have changed, but that doesn't change what's happened to the people of the past. And just because concussion protocol is better now, 
it doesn't change what effects that had on the players where it wasn't that great. Yeah, I think um, there's two sides to that, though. I think, you know, we, we always talk about the greatest generation. We always talk about how, you know, the times are changing. People are becoming more sensitive. But I think that works hand-in-hand with more information being available. So that's heightened that sensitivity to, to, to things like a physically violent sport that we're talking about here. And, 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 I mean, I can remember being a youth and, injuring myself in a game and and you know it was in between plays and i started to walk to the sideline there was blood and everything and you know i was pretty hurt and the 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 coach stopped me and called the timeout and he said don't come off the field because if you come off the field you have to sit out of play and i need you out on the field they took an ace bandage and wrapped me up and put me back in the you know on the field and and but that was the mentality then that was how Things happen, you know, it was like, oh, you'll be all right, put a little tape on it, you'll be all right, get back in there, you know, shake out the cobwebs or what have you. But, you know, I, I guess we've come full circle to where we see the evidence of how maybe that wasn't the, the smartest way to handle things. And with the increases of CTE that's in the news nowadays, and, you know, when we hear about some athletes taking their lives and, and having, you know, injuries and problems just getting along in life later on in their careers, you know, or after their careers, it's, you know, it's a shame. Something needs to be done, but at the same time, it's a violent sport. You know what you're signing up for. So we got to find that happy medium. we got to find that situation where player safety is critical, yet at the same time we're not taken away from the game that we enjoy so much. Absolutely, you know, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that is, you know, it's, I always say, and I've been saying this uh, for a while, uh, recently a lot, is I love the sport of football. I am a huge fan of the sport of football. And at the same time, because of what I do for a living, I know these players, I know these coaches, I am around them, I am around their families. So I'm nervous for them and I'm concerned for them. And at the same time, when it's Saturday morning, you know, when it's Saturday morning, Sunday morning, you get up and I'm like, yes, I got, you know, I'm going to go cover this Syracuse game and they're playing such and such. I'm going to go down to Jacksonville and cover this game and they're playing the Titans this week. And it's a huge, you know, implication of, of where is the team's going to go in the AFC South. I am a massive football fan, but I also personally am concerned for friends that I have because you build relationships with these players and coaches. So, you know, it, it is this this very delicate balance of how do we handle this, Mike, because, you know, you don't want a guy to get injured because it'll affect your fantasy football performance. I don't want to, you know, know, and and that's how a lot of people think. I'm not saying you personally, but, like, people are like, oh, I don't want Antonio Brown to go down because it'll affect my chances at a Super Bowl in fantasy football. But I may know Antonio Brown personally, and I'm thinking about 20 years from now what that hit's going to do to him potentially. So... You know, and at the same time, I want to see Antonio Brown play because I love football. So I feel like, you know, us fans of the sport are caught in the middle of caring about somebody as a human. And at the same time, football is, is such a huge piece of my life and your life that it would be hard to think of the world without it. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Things, you know, things are looked at in that in that regard sometimes whereas you know oh i hope he doesn't go down because you know my and, and i'm sure it's the last thing a, an nfl player likes to hear when you if you do bump into him or you're at a game or pre-game or you're as a fan you have an opportunity to interact with a player briefly oh you were on my fantasy I, i'm sure that's not what they'd like to hear a lot of them don't care about the fantasy game but a lot of them do play fantasy football but you know the 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 one little humorous thing here is Think about if you don't own Antonio Bryant, you own Martavis Bryant or Smith Schuster or Eli Rogers or Sammy Coates. Maybe you want Antonio Brown to go down. Now I know that's kind of mean, but you know that's that's the reality of the situation from a fantasy standpoint. Is sometimes people's you know games are affected by those injuries, and it's a small thing, and it's almost sickening that you know it. it the enjoyment is taken away because someone got injured. Well, it is. That's the reality of it. The NFL's entertainment. Let's not forget that. The NFL is based on entertainment. We, we heard that from Odell Beckham here uh, recently. You know, the NFL football is entertainment. And without entertainment value, 
you know, they're going to loosen up those rules in the end zone where we can dance more. So, you know, entertainment is what sells. That's why uh, that uh, wrestling does so well on TV. It's, it's entertainment. It's a soap opera for men. So th- that's what this has become. It's become international. It's become a situation with the social media where it's, it, it, there's many different platforms. Fantasy is just one of the small pieces of the puzzle. And thank goodness the NFL's embraced that in, in recent years finally, because they discovered there's money to be made in it. And, and that's what it's really come down to, and that's what makes this kind of, again, demented in a way. It all comes down to entertainment. The reason why it all comes down to entertainment is that generates revenue. And, you know, revenue is what these people are here for. The owners are here to make money, and the fans will pay it. So I say, you know, let the, let, let, let's entertain everybody. Let's let's continue to play fantasy football. and But, again, temper your expectations, and please, don't make the first words you say to a player if you meet them. Oh, you were on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's something. The only time that I that I have said something like that, I was speaking with Mercedes Lewis, and I said to Mercedes, I was like, "What do you want to say to the people that have slept on you and not picked you up?" And and I was like, "You know, you're on my fantasy team, and I believe in you." And I was like, "You're a humble guy. You're a nice guy. I want to just kind of, you know, I want to know what you think about." you know, this world of fantasy football. And he was like, you know, to everybody, I want to thank everyone that drafted me. I want to thank everyone that believes in me and everybody that didn't. I just want you to go out and watch me on Sunday. So, you know, it was kind of fun. And I knew that he was going to have a little give and take with me for that. So I had enjoyment in doing that with him. But yeah, I mean, I would, you know, you you don't go up to a, a player and say, hey, man, it really sucks that your dad died, but it cost me my game yesterday. You know that's that's not a conversation to have with a player, and I'm not I don't condone violence, but if you were to get laid out after that, I kind of understand why. So you know, in that respect, <laughs> speaking of injuries, you know, when we look at uh, where where we stand right now with some injuries and and some guys that are going through a tough time, a tough go at it right now, you know, training camp limited participant Julio Jones for that nagging toe injury that he has had for a long time and then Joe Flacco has a back issue you know there's there's other guys that have gone uh, Sammy Watkins has a foot injury so there's some of these things that we're gauging we're watching in anticipation of our upcoming fantasy football drafts and the upcoming fantasy football season uh, as far as telling people you know who to kind of be leery about who's on your list I mean what are some injuries that that you've been watching and paying attention to that have you know stuck out to you, and uh, and also the fact that Le'Veon Bell did not report to training camp with the rest of his Steelers teammates on Thursday, which is basically Le'Veon Bell pulling a Le'Veon Bell. So, how do you gauge some of the things that are going on here in the off season? Well, first the Le'Veon Bell thing. Everybody's going to be fine. Take a breath. Still draft Le'Veon Bell. He's still one of the top two, if not top three, if not number one player in the fantasy drafts consistently you know that's going to happen it's it's going to you, you know what it is Le'Veon Bell doesn't want to go to camp that's pretty much what it is so this is going to stretch out he's going to miss a lot of camp and a lot of the heat and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff and you see a lot of veteran players over time do this they gradually report to camp later or what have you and it's selfish if you ask me if you're physically capable of performing you're getting paid a lot of money you owe it to your teammate it's not about you but sometimes players are selfish so the next thing is Flacco. We're, you know, Joe Flacco has this back injury. And I don't know if anybody out there has had back injuries or back pain, but that doesn't go away. It just doesn't happen. And basically he's on rest for the next couple weeks. They anticipate him being out three to six weeks. And I think that could affect things for Baltimore this year. Baltimore looked like a team that was going to finally be able to, to put something together here. In recent past, they, they, they did have another injury in Kenneth Dixon. But it still looked like they're shaping up some more. Danny Woodhead in the fold, Terrence West, Javaris Allen. You know, you got the receiver cores beefed up a little more with, with Jeremy Macklin. But this is a situation that could hold Baltimore hostage. Ryan Mallett is not the answer in Baltimore, but he's the next man up. And there's talks of them signing Kaepernick. And I wonder how that situation would, would evolve. Because, you know, right now they've more or less come out and publicly said, Harbaugh did, that, well, we like Kaepernick, he played with my brother, but at the same time, 
he's got to get his priorities straight. And I wonder if that's code to you'll have to temper down the outside distractions that you bring with you. You'll have to leave that baggage outside. So I think that would be the most damaging or the most critical injury to look at right now and the most critical camp situation is the Joe Flacco back injury and how that shakes out. We could see Kaepernick in a Baltimore Ravens uniform. Yeah, you know, and that's that's something that's come up recently is that obviously, you know, Jim Harbaugh, the brother of John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, Jim had dealt with Colin Kaepernick, had Colin Kaepernick on his team with the Niners, so he can easily call his brother and say, hey, this is what I like about him, this is what I didn't like, this is what you need to work on, This is these are my thoughts. So, you know, I wouldn't think it would be crazy to see Colin Kaepernick there. I, I will... Uh, I will anticipate that Colin will land somewhere at some point this season. But, I mean, what do you think about that? Because to me, Colin Kaepernick, and this has nothing to do with anything he did off the field, yada, 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 whatever. We're not about that uh, in this conversation. The conversation is about Colin Kaepernick, and is he somebody to pick up and put on your team and be effective? When he went to the Super Bowl, he had a really good first half. And then the t- and then he was actually figured out, ironically, by the Ravens. And being figured out by that team and losing at the hands of that team, as he went forward in his career after that Super Bowl, he didn't have a good year after that. And he's never had a good year after that. And he hasn't been a starter consistently after that. So, I mean, what do you think about, you know, Colin Kaepernick? Because he was a successful quarterback who got figured out on the field, and once he got figured out in the Super Bowl, everybody kind of shared the blueprint, and that was the end of Colin Kaepernick really being a truly effective quarterback, in my opinion. How do you view him? I mean, can he can he get back to a place of being an effective quarterback that can shake things up a little bit? No, I think there's still some game left. I still think there's an opportunity. I just think You know, he's made some decisions in his personal life and put himself in front of the team. And again, that's that selfish thing. And sometimes guys get that get that situation built up in their own head. You gotta understand, these are athletes that have been on top of their game ever since they were playing youth football. This is not an overnight success for them to magically appear in the NFL and have a great game or two. These are guys that a lot of them have been coddled. A lot of them have been given anything they want they've given they've been given several free passes over the year but let's face it that's what happens that's how it works if these guys perform they get rewarded they get rewarded and they go to college and they get rewarded with a a college education hopefully they take the you know the biggest uh advantage of that opportunity and and some of them have the opportunity to move on to the nfl if you took the number of high school football players it comes down to 0.03 percent of the high school football players will ever make it to the NFL. So it's an extreme long shot. And I'm not saying make it to the NFL and be an elite player in the NFL. I'm saying just make it on a 53-man roster. Be one of those 15, 1,600 guys. Not everybody gets to play this sport, and it's an elite thing to do. People and kids all their lives would love for their family member or their child or, or children themselves want to be an NFL player. But the coddling needs to be drawn. Hopefully you find some grounded individual that's been grounded through their life. Like That's why a lot of these athletes like the Mannings and so forth who have experienced in their camp people who know and have been there and know how to treat things, know how to stay humble and know how to keep going and know how to persevere and how to be a professional. Because it's not just being an athlete. It's being a professional athlete. And until athletes become professional athletes, well, they're just another guy, no matter how great they perform on the field. The NFL sometimes not for long. Three years, the average year for guys. So these guys that stay on forever, even a finer slice of that pie, those high school players, I mean, it's probably point zero 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 one percent So if we can find guys that are going to be good team players and not put themselves in front of the team, then we're going to do away with this. But it's entertainment. This is like the wrestling thing we just talked about. There's going to be the heel. There's going to be the guys that are out there. There's going to be the guys that are going to draw attention. But if you look at life, it's the same thing in life as well. So this is just all part of life. Hopefully he can get his priorities straight and move on with his professional career. Otherwise, he's going to have to find another profession. 
Absolutely, you know, and I, and I think that that's that's the unfortunate about this is that you know there was somebody, and it's not and it's not saying don't stick up for things. It's not saying don't go out there and and don't do good, you know, work for good causes and <clears throat> try and do right by people. That's not the comment at all. It's the fact of people not wanting to deal with it. And, you know, Colin Kaepernick, and like I said, I understand what he did in the sense of he did it for this and this is why he did it and, and he wanted to make a statement. At the same time, I think that sitting, I, I think that the failure to stand, if you can stand during the national anthem, says two things to me. First of all, some veterans can't stand and they want to. And because they've been injured, because their legs have been blown off because of them trying to protect this country and protect the sanctity and freedom of everybody, number one, so it's disrespectful to them. And number two, it's it's just the notion of if you're not going to stand up for the country and stand up for what we're supposed to be, are you not adding to the problem? So he said, well, I'm not going to stand up for a country that doesn't stand up for everybody. Well, don't speak for me, Colin Kaepernick. I'm not that way. Mike Sofka is not that way. There's a lot of people that I surround myself with that are not that way, and we all stand because we want to believe that this nation can be what it's supposed to be. So, you know, it it does. It creates a lot of it creates a lot of issues. It creates a lot of turmoil, and it puts them in a tough position. But from a standpoint of being an athlete, you know, we we have to ask the question of can he be effective on a team as a starting quarterback right now? knowing that after that Super Bowl, he never looked the same. Well, for his sake, I you know, I hope somebody gives him a chance, and I hope he gets the opportunity to display that ability. But for right now, you know, I, pretend I'm from Missouri. He's going to have to show me. I mean, I'm going to have to see something before I make a move. I, I'm not a believer anymore just strictly because you're right of the decline. And, you know, when, when you're in a situation where you're not going to, take the field and the team's bringing in Jeff Driscoll like they did in San Francisco. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm a Gator fan and everything, but, you know, it just is what it is. You know, obviously there's either deterioration in your game. They say he doesn't have the strongest arm. His biggest ability is the ability to be mobile. I remember watching him in, in college thinking, wow, this guy is a scrambler. This guy might be that next evolution in quarterbacks with the running quarterbacks and the dual threat quarterbacks. And, you know, they, the Niners use that to their advantage, and, and Kaepernick did quite well in their run to the Super Bowl, but, you know, it don't, it, it's, again, not for long in the NFL. These guys have professional defensive coordinators that know how to, you know, give me a little time. Just like, remember a couple years ago in Miami with, 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 what was it, the Wildcat? Well, everybody started doing that because it's a copycat league, and, well, a lot of defenses have figured that out. That's why you don't see a lot of it. You'll maybe see one play a game, if that, anymore, so... You know, things evolve, things change. He was good at the time for what was needed. He filled the void for the Niners. He catapulted them. They catapulted him. And it's an unfortunate demise that he's in right now. But um, maybe maybe he will get another chance. You know, there's not many guys that can pull off being a quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, he has some sort of track record of doing that. So hopefully somebody can find a way to fit them into their system and develop a scheme that, is not going to be defended well, and hopefully all that outside distractions won't be a distraction anymore. That coming from Mike Sofka, myself, Dan Tatora, and Mike Sofka bringing you Fantasy Football Friday, every Friday live broadcast of Wake Up Call, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, who you'll hear in this fast break, and so much more. We'll come back with more conversation on fantasy football, prepping you up for your fantasy football live drafts coming up shortly. I'm sure you're all getting ready to draft. We are. And if you'd like to draft in Syracuse and Central New York with us, come out to the Wildcat Sports Pub, but sign up first. Go to Facebook, go to Facebook's page, go at Wake Up Call DT, or just search Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, or Facebook.com backslash Wake Up Call DT is easy as well to just type in to the URL area. So make sure you do that. Make sure that you join. There is an event page there for you. You can go to wakeupcalldt.com. You can sign up there. And, of course, down in our Florida League, we're getting prepped as well, and I want to thank everybody for that. So if you want to sign up for the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge inside of this upcoming season, then make sure you go to wakeupcalldt.com or facebook.com backslash 
Wake Up Call DT and sign up for the event. We're going to have live drafts on Saturday, August 26th and Sunday, August 27th. And if we go further than the four leagues that we already have set up, we could be doing more. If you want a spot in one of these leagues, you have to get in touch as soon as possible. Do it today. Do it right now during this fast break. And Mike and I will be back with more discussion on the NFL. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you as always, and in the second hour of every Friday broadcast, you know what time it is. It is time for us to discuss football in Fantasy Football Friday, signature segment proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. It is the home of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge, our live drafts, our weekly events that we'll have there, and the party at the end of the season that we will have to unveil all the trophies for first and last place and so much more. So plenty to do. The Wildcat Sports Pub is going to do more with fantasy football through Wake Up Call than we have ever done with Wake Up Call with Dan Satora here in upstate New York, and I'm very excited for that. If you would like to sign up, go to wakeupcalldt.com, scroll down to what's happening, and sign up there, or go directly to facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt and sign up through the event. Either or, do it now, because after this weekend, I literally could have another 20 people roll in, and then there's no more spots left. So make sure you get in and do it as soon as possible. We need to schedule these and get them set. And I want to thank everybody that has already signed up and all of our repeat people that come back every single year to be a part of this. Truly appreciate it. And Mike Safka and I, you know, this is year number eight for us down in Orlando. So you talk about repeat customers. We have been with each other and had everybody else in the league for pretty much the entire time. And it's dedication. And that dedication will, will cause me to fly down to Florida and, and draft with these with these great uh, men and women because I appreciate everything that they've done. So Mike and I are, are here discussing fantasy football, getting you set for your fantasy football drafts. And the next topic I want to go to with Mike is Bronco signing former New England Patriots running back Stephen Ridley after an injury to Devontae Booker. He's out at least six weeks for surgery to repair a fracture in his wrist. Devontae Booker, who a lot of people hoped would be this rookie phenom, and he had his moments, he had his days, but we look back at his stats from 2016, he had 612 yards, four touchdowns, two fumbles, lost one of those fumbles, not a breakout year for this rookie, and now he's going to have to wait until at least week seven to get back to it, so multiple part question, what do you think about this situation for Devontae Booker, because obviously this is a hit to the Broncos, and Steven Ridley, could he be an answer? I mean, I thought he was an okay back in New England, but they don't utilize the run as much as other teams do. So what do you think about the situation in Denver, Mike? I think it was more insurance than anything. I think that um, I think Denver's going to be just fine. I mean, don't forget, last year they had the injury to C.J. Anderson, keeping him out most of the year. And then when he was on the field, he couldn't get you know on the field. Devontae Booker was coming on strong. But don't forget, they have Jamal Charles in the fold now, and I think he offers a lot of the same skill set that 
Steven Ridley does. Now, Jamal Charles is going to be managed very carefully coming off the injuries. You know, knees aren't something to take lightly. You know, we've talked about injuries before, but this is common in the NFL. You know, you're a running back in the NFL, you, you know, you're going to take a beating unless you run out of bounds. And you see a lot more guys like even AP who prided himself in not getting, you know, tackled or brought down. He would he would stay in the field in his younger days, but in his older days, he's skirting more toward the sideline. And a lot of these guys are trying to be smarter with their body to, to, to you know, stretch out their career because you can only take so many hits. I'm sorry, you know, you, you, this can do a lot of damage to you. We've seen that with uh, Jamal Charles. So don't forget Jamal Charles. I think Stephen Ridley's going to fit in fine, and I think Devontae Booker, if he can come back from this wrist injury, it shouldn't affect his career long term. He's still got a bright future ahead of him. He's a dynamic guy who can stay on the field for three downs. But uh, I would venture to say that the use of Ridley's going to be counterbalanced by the use of Jamal Charles, and C.J. Anderson will be the power running back. Do you like the situation in Denver? I mean, can this be a healthy situation for fantasy football owners because it almost looks like a Cincinnati Bengals running back by committee type of situation? Yeah, from the outside looking in, it definitely looks right now as a committee situation unless one of these guys takes over and just dramatically changes everything. And I, But I don't, don't see that happening. I don't see Jamal Charles getting enough opportunities. I don't see C.J. Anderson having enough opportunities because of the Jamal Charles and Stephen Ridley and wanting to break things up. And again, he's coming back from an injury as well. So it's a muddy committee situation there. You know, ironically, it would look that way from the outside looking into it, Cincinnati, like you mentioned. But I'm sorry, this Joe Mixon character, if you haven't seen him play, this guy has it all. This guy has the tools. So, you know, gone are going to be the days of where, you know, you, if you were on third down, you were going to see Giovanni Bernard, and if you were on first or second down, you're going to see Jeremy Hill. I think Joe Mixon could take over the backfield, and then we'll just see highlights of Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Joe Mixon is a dynamic player, and I think he's going to be next year at this same time. He'll be considered one of the top running backs in the uh, NFL fantasy football-wise. If he stays out of trouble. Well, there you go. Right. <laughs> that's 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 the big question mark of that situation. But to look at you know other running back situations around the country, you know obviously Dallas has theirs figured out for the most part. You know I, I know this this Ezekiel thing people get nervous about. You know not his health but his decision making. The the Giants. To go to the New York Giants, because last year their rushing attack to me was, was atrocious and kind of boring. This year, you know, they have Rashad Jennings, Shane Vereen, Orleans Darkwa, Paul Perkins. Do you like anybody with the Giants? Would you steer people away from the Giants' rushing attack? What are kind of your thoughts on that? I think i got to like Paul Perkins, and I think the Giants must, because they're kind of sticking with that program. I don't think if you look at any other running backs they have on their roster, they're capable of overtaking him as the lead back. But Shane Green will be used in third-down situations. Paul Perkins comes to the team last year. looked like he might be exploding on the scene late in the year. You know, things slowed him down a bit. But I really believe in Paul Perkins as well. Right now, I don't believe in him as an elite running back or an excellent running back or even a tier one running back. But this is a guy that could get you some touches. I think the offense in New York is going to be, well, like it always is. They're going to stretch out the field. They're going to throw the ball there. they got some great players at wide receiver in Beckham and Marshall and Shepard. They've just added the dynamic pass-catching tight end in Evan Ingram. So this is a situation where they got a very balanced attack, I would bet. And Paul Perkins is going to get a lot of touches. Paul Perkins is going to get a lot of yards. He's going an average of the seventh round right now at the beginning of the seventh round, and I've got him the number 32 running back overall. So that would mean he's the last of the starters. There's 32 teams, so last of the running back ones. But I'm a little selfish when I draft fantasy running backs and fantasy wide receivers. I like to have as many of my guys in the top half of the league as possible. And if you can do that in a draft, you're going to win a lot. You don't want those guys that are in the 30s. You want all your guys, if you have three running backs, you want them all to be in the 
the lowest, the 20 or the 15th in your own personal rankings because you want to have guys that no one else has. You want to have guys that can make the difference. And that's what fantasy football is about, really. It's about the difference. And Paul Perkins could be a difference maker, but I would put him as maybe a running back three or what have you on my squad. Yeah, you know, I, I I would agree with you, Paul Perkins. I would like to see him. I mean, I think if you get him, he's kind of a steal because he could be something special. But at the same time, you know, I, I wouldn't put him as a one and I wouldn't put him as a two. Maybe he becomes a two and he can rise to that power on your roster. But as of right now, I think he's kind of that guy that you just pick up and hope that he does well and, you know, just kind of stash him away for a little bit, watch him the first few weeks. And depending on who they're playing and, and how they're stacking up against the run, and then see how often Paul Perkins is getting the ball and, and how many touches he's getting per game to see if it's even worth it for you to put him out there. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this, but I'm with you in the sense of Paul Perkins not being a, somebody that I'm fighting hard to get. I mean, if I miss him, I miss him. As far as the Chicago... Oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? Latavius Murray, Delvin Cook with one another. I mean, I think Delvin can obviously steal the show, but is is Latavius Murray, I mean, he was in a good situation without Adrian Peterson being there. Did it go from good to bad really quick? I mean, is Latavius still somebody that you like? Well, I like him, but I'm concerned with him landing on the pup. There's there's some obviously some sort of physical ailment. I don't think they would have brought him in, signed him, gave him the money they gave him, and they turned around. They had to take Dalvin Cook. He fell into their lap in Minnesota, so I don't blame them for taking him. And, uh, you know, if you look around the NFL, that seems to be the dynamic because these guys get hit so much and dinged up. It's good to have guys that can come in. It's good to have an Ingram and a Peterson situation like New Orleans. It's good to have a loaded backfield like they have in Cincinnati. These guys get dinged up and hit. I mean, you have to have guys that can accent and complement each other as well as make sure you have a premier running back on the field at all times. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that, I mean, it could be a great one-two punch, but at the same time, this could be, it could turn into the Delvin Cook show. And I think Delvin's going in there with the full intent on being the guy from moment one. I, I don't think he's one of those guys that's like, okay, let me get in here, let me get caught. It's just like, yeah, give me the ball, I'm going to go do it. So, yeah, I don't think he has the talent to back it up, too. Right, you know, so I don't anticipate that he's going to be in a position where you know he's going to be in uh, in trouble of of losing his job. I think I think if you know for in Latavius Murray's sake, it just kind of it stinks, like you said. Yeah, the money's good, but at the same time, you know, you want to play. He was underutilized in Oakland, so where he lands is going to be tough. I mean, where do you where do you have him on your list? And should people, you know, sweep in and get Latavius Murray? And if it's if it's Latavius Murray or Paul Perkins, where would you go? I would go with Paul, but well, I, think, I want to hear your thoughts. I think it would be predicated on where I'm able to get Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook fell into my lap and I was comfortable where he was drafted, like if it was past the fifth round, I might consider Dalvin Cook. If I take Dalvin Cook, I might have to come right back in the tenth round and take Latavius Murray. If I if I believe in the handcuff theory where you want to keep yourself you know, open should something go the other way or an injury happen. With that being said, you can take Latavius Murray comfortably in a 10th or 11th round at this point. And the Paul Perkins situation, Paul Perkins is probably your best bet for the money. If, if, if he fell into your lap in the 7th round and that was your third running back, that would be great. But I think you can get him a little bit later than that. I think you can get him in the 8th or ninth round. Again, when I quote in these draft positions, this is through my research and through playing in various leagues these are average draft positions this doesn't mean that's where i think that guy will go that this i'm giving you the public perception and where he lands might be different you know you got to use that to your advantage sometimes in a drafting situation 
Well, these people, you know, everybody else in the room probably thinks this is the seventh round guy. I think he's a tenth round guy. I might have to pass on him. Well, everybody in the room thinks this guy's a tenth round guy. So I'm going to take him in the eighth because I'm going to get the jump on him. This guy looks like he's going to be important to me. So you got to weigh those things out too when you're drafting. So Paul Perkins definitely a guy that I would consider for my team. But again, I'm afraid he's going to get overdrafted. Yeah, you know, and 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 I agree with that. I mean, he's somebody like I said that I could let go. By we've spoken a little bit about Chicago, and before we take our final fast break, speaking here with Mike Sofka and myself, Dan Satora, Fantasy Football Friday, Inside a Wake Up Call, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, right in the Home Depot Plaza, 3680 Milton Avenue, the hub of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge of Central New York. Make sure you come out and see us. Sign up on wakeupcalldt.com's homepage under What's Happening or on facebook.com backslash wake up call dt the quicker you sign up the better you have of choosing your time and choosing when you get to draft and having your buddies come in with you and whatnot so chicago jordan howard we can both agree he's a steal you started talking about him really really early last year and i was right there with you a few weeks in i mean you brought him up first two three weeks before and then i said all right mike you know what i think you're on to something with this jordan howard guy so kudos to you because he was one of the guys that you brought up that uh, from the beginning was going to be a spark for any team and was obviously one of the only bright spots for Chicago. They have Meredith on one side at receiver, White on the other side. Going to be a totally different receiving core. Mike Glennon, Mark Sanchez, Connor Shaw, Mitch Trubisky. What do you think at quarterback? Zach Miller as their tight end. Deion Sims is there now. What do you think about Chicago besides Jordan Howard is there anybody else, in your opinion, that is a, a highly draftable player, or is this kind of a pass and see what happens? Well, I think Cameron Meredith, after the performance he gave last year, is deserving of being the number one guy, but he's not a true number one, and I think the guy that's going to benefit the most from this is Kevin White at receiver. And this is a guy you could steal right now in the 14th round, you know, don't forget they made some changes at receiver in Chicago here, so everybody kind of got bumped up a notch. And I, I say that Kevin White is the best number two receiver in the league, if not the bottom half of the number one. Those two guys might have to flip, but it's not going to matter. You're going to see the performance on the field. If my number one quarterback is covering Cameron Meredith, well, that means my number two is not as good as my number one is covering Kevin White. And I think Kevin White is above any number two quarterback in the league. Well, we'll see this year because I don't know who's going to throw him the ball. Is it going to be Mike Glennon? Probably. Probably not Trubisky. Probably not Sanchez or Shaw. It's probably going to be Glennon. And Glennon is a great quarterback. He's a tall quarterback. He can move the ball. He can control the huddle. He can get first downs. But until he shows me something, again, I'm going to be standoffish. I would steal Kevin White in the 14th round if I could get him. That coming from Mike Sofka and myself, Dan Satora. Fantasy football wrap-up right after this fast break. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We appreciate you listening in, as always, every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Become a member of MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, and all of a sudden, 
you get emailed every single time the show goes live. So all you gotta do is click on your email and it'll bring you straight on to the live stream and you get to chat with me in the live chat room during the show. Also, wakeupcalldt.com, become a member there for free. Scroll down to what's happening and sign up for the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. We have plenty of opportunities to sign up. The two easiest ways to do it are to go to wakeupcalldt.com, scroll down to what's happening, and fill out your name, your email, and say fantasy football in the subject, and you'll be good to go. Or you can go to facebook.com backslash wakeupcalldt and sign up on the fantasy football event that's located for you there. I want to thank everybody that has already. I want to thank everybody that jumped on it really quick this morning and all the emails that we've gotten from repeat people that are coming back once again. Sign up as soon as you can for fantasy football. Here in the show in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destin, USA, and the home of the Dancatora Special, my spin on the breakfast sandwich, available all throughout the day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner weekly. They proudly bring you the morning list of topics for each wake-up call, and we're obviously wrapping up here with Fantasy Football Friday, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub, who is bringing you your Fantasy Football Challenge inside of Wake Up Call for this entire 2017-18 season. Mike and I have been discussing different things that could affect your fantasy football team. We're going to round out today's show with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's my ninth year covering the team, and Mike and I have both made it a point to... Obviously, I've been going over to the stadium and covering the team. Mike has been going over and seeing this Jacksonville Jaguars team as well and obviously keeping a close eye down in Florida on these Jaguars. With that being said, their depth chart for this year, Allen Robinson, Marquise Lee are your two tops. Allen Hearns somewhere in the mix here. Marquise Lee, what can you say about him? Is is he draftable in fantasy football, in your opinion? And then what is your analysis of Marquise Lee on your team and where kind of where he should be. I don't think he's a number one, but if I'm thinking about drafting a wide receiver and I've already got a couple guys on the team, what can you say about the dynamic of of adding a Marquise Lee if he is a wild card that we should consider this year? Well, Marquise Lee is a dynamic player. Jacksonville took a chance on him a couple years ago, but it's the same year they did Robinson and Hearns, and they actually drafted Marquise Lee ahead of them but it's been all Robinson and Hearns. And this is a situation where Marquise Lee has, well, that's why the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted him where they did. He's proven the work ethic, and he's proven over time that he's trying to stay on the field and make things happen. He's most effective, in my opinion, in the slot, whereas like a third receiver might be. But, you know, he's outplayed Hearns. So Hearns has been the big play guy, you know, and you can't argue with what what's worked. But, you know, the, the coaches are going to know best by and those little everyday things, those little intricacies. You know, how is he running the route tree? You know, how are his cuts? Is he holding on to the ball? Is he dropping passes? What's his yak? Can he move and get away? If I get him the ball in space, what's he going to do with it? And Marquise Lee has risen to the occasion there, and he's benefited from doing that. And the small promotion, if that's what you want to call it, is the number two is great. But I don't think that affects me fantasy-wise. This is the guy that... Well, you know, depending on how deep your draft is and how deep your bench is, this is a guy that's getting drafted in the 18th round, middle of the 18th round of draft. So you can get him at the bottom of a draft. If he stays the number two, he's going to get his share of targets. My fear is that this, this might overwhelm him a bit. This might be a little too much for him. But I hope he proves me wrong. I mean, this is a guy who I've seen play in high school. So, you know, this is a guy who can get things done for you, but... Not real high on my list right now. Where would you put some of the other guys in Jacksonville? Leonard Fournette, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns. You know, Robinson had kind of an off year last year. I think the entire offense kind of just exploded for the Jaguars in a not-so-great way. So Robinson, Hearns, Fournette, where do these guys land? Because a couple seasons ago... I told people, draft Hearns, draft Robinson, draft Bortles, and they, toward the end of the season, fantasy football-wise, were all in the top 10 at their respective positions for non-PPR standard league scoring. So where do you put them this year? Where, how, 
valuable are the Jaguars this year? Well, Leonard Fournette, I got him as the 11th overall running back. He's going to current average draft position at the end of the second round. This is a guy that I believe in. He's going to be the bell cow. I think Jacksonville is going to predicate their entire season on running the ball. So, And it's a smart play. They needed a, a, a running back. T.J. Yeldon wasn't making things happen. T.J. Yeldon's still in the fold, as is Chris Ivory and Corey Grant. But I think Fournette might be okay. I think he's going to be a top running back, not an elite running back in fantasy, but a top running back. They're going to give him the share. They're going to give him the opportunity to fail, and they're going to give it to him multiple times. So he's in a good position. As long as they keep feeding him the rock, he can keep scoring your points. So I'm definitely a Fournette fan. Even though he came in about four pounds overweight, $630 a pound, I think, was the penalty for that. But I think he's back in line. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, you can do a lot worse than these guys. Allen Robinson has proven himself to be a top-level receiver. Right now, I got him number 15, and he's going in the end of the third round in a lot of drafts. And Allen Hearns, with this fight the motion, is going to be in a situation where you could get him late in the draft, and if Marquis Lee flutters, well, then, you know, you might move up a little bit and get even more targets. You can look for Alan Hearns in the 16th to 17th round of drafts, currently number 60 overall wide receiver in my draft board. Yeah, you know, I think I think Hearns, I agree with you, I think Hearns is still a steal. I think he's still that guy that people are going to forget about coming out of Miami, which is hard to believe because he came out of Miami, but... Hearns is one of those guys that's going to fly under the radar. If you have a very, very deep league, Brian Walters from Cornell up here in upstate New York, not a bad choice for at least a couple weeks out of the season just to let people know if there's injuries and whatnot. But Allen Robinson, I think definitely people are going to take a chance on him, I would say by the fourth round in my opinion. Blake Bortles, I think people are going to let him fall, and so he might fall into some laps like mine coming up in these drafts. I think people are going to let him go very far down in the draft. Leonard Fournette, I think he's going to be taken early. I think TJ Yeldon's an afterthought, and so is Chris Ivory. I don't I don't anticipate them being taken high in this. But I tell people, you know, if, if this offense that I saw Doug Marone and Nate Hackett run at Syracuse in the respective positions they have now with the Jaguars head coach and offensive coordinator respectively – if they run the offense that they ran at Syracuse that was the piecing together of multiple NFL offenses, if they can do this and do it successfully, you're going to be looking at a team that's finally going to start winning some of these games that they were supposed to be winning a while ago. Now, Doug Marone's personality is very different than mine. Nate Hackett's personality is somewhat similar to mine. And I think that maybe that healthy balance of, you know, dad kind of, being that guy that doesn't say much and Doug Marone and then your older brother, Nate Hackett, being like, hey, buddy, let's get it going. Let's let's bring this together. They have shown that they're a good tandem and they have an opportunity to show it in the NFL at the highest level of football in the world. So I'm excited and anticipating that if they do what I know that they're capable or have been capable of doing, this can be a dangerous team. There's no excuse for talent at this point. There is no excuse whatsoever with what they have on the team. Now it's just put up or shut up time. But if this offense gets rolling and gets clicking, you're going to be upset that you let Blake go. You're going to be upset that you let Hearns go. You'll draft Robinson. You'll draft Fournette. Because what people typically do is if they don't believe in a team or don't think the team's going to do that well, they'll always lean on the running back because the mentality is, well, when in doubt, run the ball. So I think Leonard Fournette gets drafted early. He's in the top 15 in in a bunch of these boards as far as running backs go. So it looks like he'll lie somewhere in the second, third round, I would anticipate. And it depends on how your draft goes and how many running backs are taken by the time it heads your way. But that'll wrap up what we're doing for this week of Fantasy Football Friday with Mike Sofka down in Orlando, myself, Dan Satora, up here in Syracuse, New York, and... I'll be down there soon enough for our draft in Florida, and obviously I'm up here for the Wildcat Sports Pub draft. So if you want to catch me up here in central New York, draft with us, wakeupcalldt.com, scroll down, sign up, facebook.com, backslash wakeupcalldt, sign up there as well. And I want to give a shout-out to halloffamefantasyfootball.com, where Mike Sofka becomes your partner in crime and helping you be successful in fantasy football this season and beyond. Hall of Fame fantasyfootball.com with a guarantee of making it to the playoffs. So 
big shout out to Mike for that and his hard work he's done with that. And as always, Mike, I appreciate everything you've done here on the show. Awesome. Thanks so much. And if you do go to Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com, if you're interested in the service, if you're interested in winning your league, use the code Orlando40. Orlando40 will get you 40% off any service. That coming from Mike Sofka. 40% off of any service on his website, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com. Mike, I will speak with you inevitably uh, very soon here. And we will talk once again next Friday for Fantasy Football Friday. Sounds great. See you then.